Old Testament messianic prophecies like the one found in Amos chapter 9 and verse 13 often use wine and vineyard imagery to describe the glorious day when the anointed one arrives. They link to the miracle Jesus performed at a wedding in Cana of Galilee, where, like a messianic winemaker, he turned water into wine. The wedding miracle was much more than just another event on Jesus' social calendar. It fulfilled messianic prophecies, announced that the kingdom of God had arrived, and was a foreshadowing of things to come. Jesus never did anything without intention and purpose. He came to this earth from heaven to do his Father's will by going to the cross and paying the price for our redemption. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. The miracles of Jesus are often misunderstood, but all of them were done with a specific purpose in mind, one that was relevant both then and now. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis, thanks for tuning in. Today, Ron takes us once again to John chapter two and the wedding at Canaan, and to three practical applications we can take away from the miracle Christ performed there. It's all part of his continuing series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Let's join Ron as he shares part two of his Something Good Radio message, The Wedding Miracle. Go back to verse two. And it says, Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. Again, I don't know how Mary, the mother of Jesus, or Jesus and his disciples ended up on the guest list, but somebody was wise enough to invite him. I've done a lot of weddings over the years as a pastor, and again, they're all joyous occasions. And uh, more often than not, I'll begin the, the ceremony with a reference to a wedding that took place 2,000 years ago, far, far away from here in a place called Cana of Galilee. And like all weddings, it was a joyous, joyous occasion, but uh, something went wrong kind of quickly into the wedding. They ran out of wine, and that was a huge social embarrassment, might have had financial implications. But somebody, somebody was wise enough to put Jesus Christ on the guest list, and he saved the day. He made all the difference in the world. Hey, do you need a miracle in your marriage today? As, as, as triteful as this sounds, if you need a miracle in your marriage today, put Jesus on the guest list, okay? If you're a single adult thinking about getting married one day, if you're an engaged couple and you're getting ready for marriage, put Jesus on the guest list. If you've been married for five years or 10 years or 20 years and you need a miracle in your marriage, invite Jesus into that situation. I know that sounds trite, it sounds easy, it sounds simple, but let me tell you something. He's still in the, in the miracle business when it comes to weddings and, and marriages, and, and he can take the difficult situation you're in right now and perform a miracle then just like he did 2,000 years ago. Second practical application goes like this. The kingdom of heaven is a joyful celebration. 
It's a joyful celebration. Wine is a symbol of joy in the Bible as much as it is uh, in its language a description of the coming of the kingdom of God and has messianic overtones and implications to it. Jesus said in Luke chapter 22 and verse 18, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He said that to his disciples on the night before he was crucified. And you can fast forward in your Bible to the end of the age and to Revelation chapter 19, just prior to the coming of the new heaven and the new earth, and we, we find something called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Again, all this wedding and marriage and romantic language is, is not incidental in the Scripture. It's woven into the, the prophetic timetable. And even at the end of the age, we have a a wedding celebration, the marriage supper of the Lamb, a joyful, joyful celebration in heaven. Are you a joyful Christian? You know, if we had time, we, we could establish the fact that joy is a gift from God, that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. The joy is a choice, James chapter 1 tells us. Uh, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials. So I don't care what you're going through today. Choose joy. That joy is also, according to C.S. Lewis, the serious business of heaven. Did you know that? I love that phrase. Uh, Lewis wrote an autobiography about his personal conversion from atheism to theism and to faith in Jesus Christ. And he said he was surprised by joy because joy is the serious business of heaven. No more serious than when somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Remember the story that Jesus told about a shepherd that had a hundred sheep and one of them strayed away? And that shepherd left the 99, went after the one stray sheep, scooped him up, brought him back to the fold. Shepherd said, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And then Jesus turned to that crowd and he says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Uh, joy is the serious business of heaven. Every time somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ, there's a party in heaven, not unlike a wedding reception party, full of all kinds of joy and celebration. Are you a joy-filled Christian, or are you walking around like you look like you've been baptized in lemon juice? I mean, come on now. Are you a good advertisement for the kingdom of God or a bad one? You know, walking around, just looking like Eeyore all the time, carrying the burdens of this life. And I'm not minimizing the hard times that you're going through, but come on now. The kingdom of heaven is a joyful celebration. And God is, is preparing us for that in heaven. There are no tears in heaven. Let's make sure we're a good advertisement as the body of Christ, a good advertisement for the body of Christ rising above those circumstances, considering it all joy, even when you're going through various trials and difficulty. This wedding miracle reminds us that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and it's a joyful celebration. Number three, it also reminds us that God is up to something new in your life. Why do I say that? Well, it, it seems 
from a reading of this story and understanding some of the background that Jesus is about the business of um, sort of ushering in a new order of things, I might say. And and we see this in verse 6, kind of a subtle implication to this. It says, now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. That's more than just a, you know, a detail in the story that you sort of cast aside. These six stone water jars, they were stone jars, not, not pottery jars, because they were used in uh, the Jewish rites of purification and in their worship practices. And, and a, a pottery jar, you would have little strains of mud and other things that would make it not pure. So these were water jars, and they were huge. 20 to 30 gallons each, and there were six of them. But in a, in a very not-so-subtle way, John includes this detail as if to say, um, Jesus is, is walking into a world that is all about the old covenant, the old covenant. There wasn't any more uh, points of, of uh, tension than Jesus had with those prickly Pharisees than when he was trying to move them from the old covenant to something new. Do you remember on the night before he was crucified, Jesus met with his disciples and had a Passover meal, and they broke the bread and ate the bread together. Then he passed around the cup, and he says, this cup is, uh, uh, and the wine in it is representative of my blood, the blood of a new covenant. God is up to something new. He's up to something new. One time when Jesus was talking to those prickly Pharisees, He said to them in Luke chapter 5, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. It was his way of looking at them saying, you're old wineskins. You're old covenant guys. And you don't put the new wine of what I bring into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. We go on in the New Testament. Jesus also talked about a new birth in John chapter 3, a new commandment in John chapter 13, a new covenant ratified by his blood on the cross. That was the upper room scene, Luke chapter 22. The New Testament in Ephesians chapter 2 makes the case that Jesus made one new man in place of two, talking about the tension between Jews and Gentiles. In Colossians chapter 3, he encourages us to put on the new man, the new self. And he speaks of a new and living way that he opened for us, the writer of Hebrews does in Hebrews chapter 10. And if that isn't enough to convince you that God is up to something new, and he's up to something new in your life, consider these words found in the revelation of Jesus Christ chapter 21. I love these words. John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and the sea was no more. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message, The Wedding Miracle. Remember, you can stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find out more about the ministry 
or to order selected resources like the series you're hearing right now, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. The entire audio download of this eight message series can be yours today for a gift to Something Good Radio. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. Mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456 or call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Wedding Miracle. Friends, this is good news. God is up to something new in your life. And when Jesus changed the water into wine and did it through these six stone water jars of the old covenant, he was signaling, a new thing has come. One more, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, if any man is in Christ, he is a, say it with me, new creation, a new creation, <laughs> a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new, the Bible says. So let me tell you something about what happened to you when you came to faith in Jesus Christ. This isn't behavioral psychology where we turn around the edges of your life and end up with a new and improved and better and cleaner and happier and healthier you. Oh no, the old you is a train wreck. The old you is like a totaled vehicle when the insurance company says there's nothing we can do. It's totaled. You need to get a brand new car. The old you is, is depraved. It's, uh, as, as, as the writer of Scripture says, uh, that, that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that we are spiritually uh, zeros, so to speak, and that something new needs to be made of us. So when we came to faith, and you and I came to faith in Jesus Christ, He's not making a better, healthier, cleaner, happier you. He made a whole new creation. Just like he created in Genesis. Just like he turned water into wine. And it's a brand new creation. There's one sense theologically in which you are brand new now. There's another sense in which we are being made new. That's the difference between justification and sanctification. And you fast forward all the way to the end of Genesis where God is making all things new, a new heaven and a new earth. He is preparing us for that new environment. The good news that I'm trying to leave with you today is that God is really up to something new in your life. And for those of you who are tired of the old life, and the struggle with the world, the flesh, and the devil, and the old man that keeps dragging you down, just, just remember, God, God is up to something. He's made a new creation out of you. So start living like the new creation that you are and have hope and faith that he who began at work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. Here's the fourth and final application I'm going to leave with you today. And that is with Jesus, the best is always yet to come. And I say that at the risk of sounding trivial and trite, but I want you to listen to what the writer says here in verse 10. The head waiter, he takes a taste of the, the wine here, and he says, everyone serves the good wine 
first. And that's true. In a social engagement, you serve the best wine, the good wine first, and then, you know, the Mad Dog 2020, right? Some of you laugh too much like you know what I'm talking about there. Everyone serves the good wine first, but Jesus isn't everyone. He serves the best wine last because he's ushering in a new order of things. And later he says things like this to his disciples, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And the reason is, is because Jesus always waits for the best to be last. The best is yet to come. He doesn't serve the best wine first. The best is yet to come. He serves the best wine last. Now, what does this have to do with us today? Some of you are at a place in your life where you're saying to yourself, is this as good as it gets in this life? Because if it is, life isn't worth living. And you're in a, you're in a point of crisis in your life. You've had that conversation with yourself. If this is as good as it gets, I've had enough and life is not worth living. Here's the hope I want to fill your heart with today. This is not as good as it gets. <laughs> it isn't. The best is yet to come. With Jesus, the best is yet to come. I know you're going through a hard time. I know you want to give up. I know you say life isn't worth living anymore, but the best is yet to come. Jesus has changed the order of things. He doesn't serve the best wine first. He leaves it for the end. So don't think this is the best it's ever going to get. The best is yet to come. There are others of you, you got a pretty good life. Man, you've had a great life. You got, you got money in the bank. You got a wonderful family. You got a home. You got a vacation home or two, maybe a vacation two or three that you're taking. You know, and you, life is good. You love your life a little bit too much. You'd like Jesus kind of to delay His coming because, hey, life is pretty good. Life is good. It's not the best. It's not the best. Don't set your affection on things on this earth. Set your affection on things above because the best is yet to come. Don't be deceived by the things in this life, the good things in this life, as if to settle in and become too comfortable in this life and to say, Jesus, don't come today. I'm having too much fun enjoying my life. Because Jesus came to reverse the order of things. He says, he who saves his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will save it. So with Jesus, the best is yet to come. This old earth is a pile of dirt compared to the new heaven and the new earth. The best is yet to come, friends. Don't lose despair, but don't get so comfortable in this world that your heart doesn't lift toward the best that is yet to come, the new heaven and the new earth. And you thought we were just going to a wedding today. John chapter 2, verse 11, John concludes this, the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Do you believe in Jesus? If you don't, today's the day to put your faith and trust in him. 
Today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day that Jesus wants to perform a miracle in your marriage, that He wants to change the order of things in your life and remind you that the best is yet to come. Today's the day He wants to fill your heart with joy. Today's the day you need to put Him on the guest list. Better yet, move Him into the master suite of your house and your marriage where He belongs. And that's the place from which He performs miracles. He's up to something new. The best is yet to come. Why wouldn't you believe in Him? John gave us this miracle to make us go, wow, eye-popping, jaw-dropping, wonder and awe. Who is this Jesus? <laughs> He's the Messiah. He's the promised one. He's the one in whom you put your faith and trust, and He's the only one that's worthy of it. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, The Wedding Miracle. Ron, there's so much we could talk about regarding the wedding miracle, the foreshadowing of things to come, the fulfillment of prophecies foretold long ago. You covered some of that during the past few days. But let's switch gears a little bit and ask the question everyone once answered once and for all. No pressure, Ron. Was this real wine? Or was it nothing more than glorified grape juice? I had a feeling that's where you were headed, Brian. The short answer is this was real wine. And not only was it real wine, it was better than all the wine they had earlier in the celebration. Jesus quite literally saved the best for last. Now, for the longer answer, uh, let me give you some background here. The word yayin, which is the word we find here in John chapter 2, is taken from an unused root word. Uh, which means to ferment or effervesce. So, so according to the very words of the Apostle John, this was not unfermented grape juice, but real wine. And evidently, it was so good that the master of the banquet pulled the bridegroom aside and complimented him on his decision to save the best wine for last. Now, of course, it wasn't the bridegroom's decision. They had run out of wine by then. But the point is, is that it was highly unlikely the master of the banquet would have said something like that if it had been mere grape juice. So I think it's important for us to remember that long before the wedding in Cana of Galilee, as well as many years after the event, we see clear references made to fermented wine in the Bible. The Apostle Paul would have no need, for example, to write the words, be not drunk with wine, which he did in Ephesians chapter 5, if the wine of the day was non-alcoholic. And we see time and again in the Old Testament references to wine and drunkenness. So, so we're dealing with the real thing here. Now, I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. By answering this particular question, I'm not advocating drinking, nor am I advocating abstinence. That's an entirely different conversation. And each person has to decide for himself or herself what is wise or unwise in terms of personal choices and the circumstances in which those choices are made. All I'm doing here is saying that according to my understanding of Scripture, what we are dealing with here at the wedding in Cana of Galilee is real wine. And I think in order to interpret the miracle as best as we can and learn the most from it, we have to get to the truth about every aspect of it, and that includes accurately answering the question, was this real wine? And the answer is yes. 
That's Dr. Ron Jones talking about Christ's first miracle, turning water into wine at the wedding of Canaan. Ron, we're about out of time, but before we sign off, what could you tell us about where we're headed on tomorrow's broadcast? Yes, well, Brian, tomorrow we move ahead to the second of Jesus' miracles recorded by the Apostle John. Now, I know that most of us, uh, me and you, as well as many of our listeners, uh, we've all faced a crisis or two or maybe ten during our lifetimes. And this next miracle is one in which a father was facing a crisis. This man's son was at the point of death, and he needed a miracle. So tomorrow, we're going to look at the three things this man did, and we're going to use it as a template for our own lives during times of crisis. So if you're facing a tough challenge today, or if you know someone who is, uh, let me encourage you to be with us tomorrow for my message, The Long Distance Miracle which offers some great practical advice about how you can handle that crisis God's way. That's tomorrow as Ron continues the series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.